Section 15 of By the Marshes of Minas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. By the Marshes of Minas by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. By the Thickness of a Door. Part 2. I had been on the point of stepping forth to whip the cur with my scabbard, but perceiving that she was no more moved than to smile coolly upon him, tapping her little moccasins on the hop-vine trellis, I thought better of it. If she did not feel herself insulted, it were mere presumption on my part to interfere. Was I to teach her she had received an insult? I quenched my wrath and wonder, wherein there lurked a sweet delight. It was not till long afterward, so dull was I, that I understood the matter. She had feared that I might break out, avenge the rudeness, and ruin all. Therefore she had put the curb on her galled pride, and seemed to take no offence. "'You reassure me most marvellously, monsieur,' she murmured and turned upon him a glance of mirth so genuine and so inexplicable that he glared at her with unaffected wonder from beneath his shapeless narrow brows. He did not like to be puzzled. This girl, with her unaccountable variations of temper, puzzled him. I saw him redden a bricky color in the wrinkles of his rough-hewn jaw, but he spoke not a word. He simply eyed her, seeking to disconcert her, and she, she grew but the more gaily at ease under the glance, which, as I had heard, was wont to make all Acadia tremble. Presently he shifted this unprofitable exercise of his eyes, and grew intent upon the doorway, whence he expected his savages to drag me with no more delay. I saw Clare give a quick glance out through the hop-leaves, and turn her face at once back toward her antagonist, what she had seen plainly gave her satisfaction. I looked also. Up from the red St. Croix, striding hastily through the buttercup meadows, came the tall form of Denise de la Mer. He came with an anxious air upon his face, as of one who sees something amiss. Perhaps he had marked the savages lurking about. Just now came the running of furtive feet from within— and Lagarne broke out with angry interrogatories in Micmac, from which I gathered, not without reason, that the savages had failed to find me. There were low replies, strange mixture of the harsh and musical, as that language is, and the priest turned sharply to Mademoiselle. "'There is one chamber locked,' said he. "'Give me the key.' "'Pardon me, Father Lagarne,' she answered very sweetly, but with a sort of exultation in her voice. But you surely cannot ask a young girl to throw open her private chamber to this rabble. That is my own room. I took occasion to lock it some hours ago for reasons quite personal. Having, as he imagined, his quarry now marked down where there could be no mistake, Lagarne recovered his composure and lost some haste. I doubt not, my daughter, that your reason is quite personal. He spoke in an indulgent tone, and looks well in a red coat. But, indeed, it was not some hours ago that you locked him in, 
since it was not one hour back that he passed up this way from the village. It was little courteous of him to seek such a place for hiding, and subject a maiden's refuge to such disclosure. But the king's service respects not ladies' chambers. Give me the key, child, or I must force the door. The game is up. The words were scarce out of his mouth when, with a little cry, Claire sprang forward and clutched her father's arms. "'Father,' she panted, "'this base priest insults me. He says I have a man locked up in my room.' And she sobbed a little. The strain had been long and terrible, and now she shifted it to her father's shoulders. There was silence for a second and very greatly I desired to see the face of Denise de la Mer, which was not within the scant range of my view. His voice when he spoke was stern enough. "'I beg you to explain yourself, Father Lagarne,' was all he said. But I gathered that, however intimate had been these two, they were like to be divided now. "'It is soon told, my friend,' responded the black abbe coolly, less than an hour back there came to this house presumably to see your daughter in your absence an english officer from halifax one captain marsh the priest being a fanatic with no great knowledge of human nature and no understanding of the comradeship betwixt this father and daughter thought to set the one against the other by his suggestion my followers saw him enter the house it has been closely surrounded ever since. There is no escape. He is within, as surely as if I now saw him there with these eyes, which have seen the undoing of many another English dog. The outbuildings have been searched. The house has been searched, attic to cellar, in vain. One room has not been searched, your daughter's chamber. The door is locked. She refuses me the key." I call upon you, Denise de la Mer, in the name of France and of the Church. Bid the girl give up the key. Deliver up the shaking wretch she hides. I have given him my word of honor, father, interrupted Claire, that there is no man in the house. I give it now to you. Will you shame me before this low fellow, who disgraces his gown and tonsure? Surely your word is enough for me, chérie, answered de la Mer. If you say it, there is no man there, that's all. But as for you, Father Lagarne, you have presumed grossly in sending your red scum through my house without my authority. It served nothing but your own vainglorious pride. The king's service could safely have awaited my return from the village, if, as you say, you had your prey fairly trapped. Pish! said the priest. What I want of you now, Denise de la Mer, is that door opened. We can argue the point of ceremony afterward. There was a weighty pause. I felt for the high-spirited Frenchman, forced to hold himself in check, lest he bring peril on his child. In a second or two he answered, but not to the priest. Dear heart, said he tenderly, this fellow must have his way. You cannot rest under his insinuation. His lie must be thrust back into his throat. Go, then, with him alone. Open the door. Open every box and cupboard. Shake out for him your cloaks and kirtles. After all, he is a priest of a kind. 
but if one of his redskins goes with you, I'll run that one through with my sword. Lagarne laughed, but seemed satisfied. To get his way was enough for him. Go on, mistress, I follow you, said he, and I saw that at least he lacked not courage. For some minutes there was silence save for de la Mer's impatient drumming on the porch post, and a faint scuffling of moccasins in the hall, where, as I inferred, the savages awaited a signal from their leader. Then the redskins came out, descended the steps, and gathered in a stolid painted group over against a bed of blossoming flocks, where I could well see them and learn to pray for deliverance from so murderous a crew. Close after them, and heeding them just so much as if they had been a puff of dust blown before her, came Claire, seating herself once more in her wicker chair by the vines, and the black and white cat followed her, arching his back and stepping delicately. The picture gave me a strange sense of security, there, while my life clung on the thinnest edge of hazard, the veil between this world and the next reduced to the thickness of a painted door. Lagarne came lingeringly, and I cursed him with unreasonable vexation, because he came not where I could see his disappointed face. "'It is unbelievable,' he muttered. "'The room is empty. Were it in France now, I'd swear there was a secret cupboard wherein she'd bestowed him. But what need of such contrivances in Acadia?' It looks as if he had escaped us, and by your face you're glad of it, Denis de la Mer. He flashed out in sudden fury. I'll search yet once more. I heard de la Mer spring into his doorway. By God, he cried, you cross not this threshold again. You've had your way. Your insolence has gone unpunished. Now go, you. I go when I please, and come when I please retorted the priest, and in the colossal egotism of his tones there was yet a something which said he was not going to force a final quarrel, at least on the moment. I will not search again, not because you forbid me, but because I see it is idle. But I tell you, Denis de la Mer, did I still think this chit here had the dog concealed within, I'd burn your house about your ears rather than he should escape.' You and such as you need a lesson, if Acadia would be kept true to king and church. Delamere took a stride forward, and on the edge of the steps the black abbe turned and faced him. It is you who need a lesson, cried the Acadian gentleman, his voice trembling. My hand itches sorely to lay this scabbard about your ears. Yonder are ten reasons why you should not retorted the priest with a scorching calm, and there are a score more reasons like it in the woods yonder. My heart was hot within me for this high-spirited Frenchman, compelled to curb his righteous indignation. Had it not been for Claire, I truly believe he would have kicked the tonsured bully down the steps, and taken any consequences with good will. But he mightily held himself in hand." "'It is a proper way to serve your cause, surely,' he said with accusing bitterness and a certain sorrow in his voice, "'to drive into the arms of England the few honest gentlemen of Acadia, whose hearts yet hold true to King Louis.' 
to the english forsooth we are compelled to turn for protection from a mad priest and a pack of redskins who pretend to serve france you francois lagan well called the black abbe are the curse of this land fool retorted lagarne with easy contempt you to pray to me of taking refuge with the english what have i to do but send the governor a hint through my tools in halifax of the part you played so zealously three years ago at but at this moment i foresaw complications my mind for once worked on the instant hold i shouted snapping the string and swinging the door with a mighty slam as i strode forth i'll hear no secrets my sword was naked in my right hand i had had it ready this long time you may be sure with my left i drew a pistol from my belt and knowing that now the fat was all in the fire i discharged it point-blank at lagarne that miscreant leaped however at the lifting of my arm else had he sorely defrauded an honest gallows and my shot fetched down a vermilion-faced savage who was happily in range as my black-frocked enemy jumped de la mer was at my side on the instant his sword drawn within get within he shouted to claire but she picking up my empty pistol coolly proceeded to reload it the savages were brave enough but somewhat taken aback by my appearance and the death of their fellow ever sparing of their own skins and seeing us too well armed and desperate they nimbly withdrew out of pistol-shot to take counsel. "'They give us time, monsieur,' muttered de la mer, his long dark face working with the fever of the fight. "'The guns, the guns, Claire, they're both loaded.' But as she sprang to obey, I stayed her with my left hand. I had looked down toward the red St. Croix. I had seen something. "'No need,' said I, striving to keep the exultation from my voice." look and i strode out upon the steps where my scarlet coat shone in the sun and waved my sword above my head and shouted at the top of my lungs england this way this way double up from the waterside came a squad of english infantry on the run lagarne saw and gathering up his soutane ran too with more speed than priestly decorum he knew there was a rope at Halifax itching hotly for his neck. His followers seemed to drop into the grass, so instantly they vanished, stooping and gliding like snakes. I turned to my astonished host. Claire had reseated herself in the wicker chair, but the black and white cat, offended by the clap of my pistol, had gone. De la Mer stood beside me, leaning on his naked sword, interrogation in his grave eyes and a vague apprehension which i speedily set at rest i held out my hand to him thank you with all my heart monsieur said i with fervour for your most loyal backing i was committed but i have more to thank you for captain marsh i waved this aside this is my command coming said i it was nigh coming too late one of my reasons for calling this morning, monsieur, was to ask your advice as to where they had best be quartered in Pisiquid. Under the circumstances, 
Under the circumstances, I beg that they be quartered here, and on my tenants, he interrupted eagerly, unless there be any other in the country who needs your protection more. And what was your other reason, monsieur? I hesitated. Should I? Could I dare at that lucky moment? I looked at Claire. Her great eyes met mine with an instant's flaming glance of imperious prohibition. I dared not. Not, not just now, I stammered, suddenly disheartened. By and by, when we have better occasion, I will beg you to listen to me. At your pleasure, monsieur, he answered, with a courtesy which I could not but note had warmth in it. I ventured to look again at Claire, but could not catch her eye. She had thrust forward one little foot, and was very intently studying the beadwork on her moccasin. I took courage at seeing a flush slowly steal over her wonderful face. Then I turned, my heart swelling with sudden triumph, and my squad halted before the steps. Very pleasantly their bayonets rattled as they came to attention. End of Section 15 By the Thickness of a Door Part 2